The Athletic. Hi there and welcome to From the Rookery End, a Watford podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I am Adam Leventhal, the Watford correspondent for The Athletic, and I am joined today by Dave. How are you, Dave? I'm very well. (laughs) Good. (laughs) And Mike, how are you? I'm realising how old I am. I went to a comedy night on Monday night and went to West Ham last night and... I feel like I need to be cryogenically frozen and rewoken up again just to sort of reboot me. I feel absolutely exhausted. I'm far, far too old for this. Jolly good. Well, <laughs> and we haven't even started talking about Watford yet, so, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite something at the moment. It is a difficult, difficult time. We were all at the, at the London Stadium on Tuesday night. We're recording this on Wednesday night. And it was a really, really disappointing evening. Because in my opinion, my humble opinion, I thought Watford did really, really well. I thought they were they were well organised, they were functional. We saw those incremental gains and things like that. And we'll we'll come on to the the, the performance and the positives and the negatives and and the things that we need to sort of kick on with in a moment's time. But I wanted to ask you both about the experience of going to the London Stadium because that's my first time doing a game there. A football match. I've been really? there for athletics. I've been there for baseball and stuff like that. But I've never done a, a game because, luckily, I missed out on going to the uh, the game in 2019-20, which was just ridiculous when Nigel Pearson, you know, led us to our relegation in that game ultimately. But just in terms of what it's like being there for anyone that wasn't there, and it was a good, strong following from Watford fans. Dave, from your ex- your sort of experience of being there, it's, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? It's a bit soulless. It is, and look, I mean, I don't think this is news to anyone. Obviously, the stadium's been around for a little while now, and I'm sure there's plenty of people listening who have been there and have experienced it. And also, if we would have won, that sort of makes everything a little bit better. But obviously, we didn't. It was my first time there as a fan. I've been there before and sat in the press box and actually found it to be a fairly pleasant experience because you can pop down and get a pie at half time, and you've you know you're nicely insulated from all of the uh, you know the difficulties of moving around Westfield and Stratford. But yeah, as a fan last night, it was an appalling experience. I was in a bloody tapas bar before the game. It was the only, literally the only place I could physically fit in inside to get a pint I had to walk all the way through Westfield like a bloody maze and it's you think you you think you get to Stratford you think you're there you're miles away you're absolutely miles away from the state from the stadium I mean look first world problems you know it's not too bad but as a footballing experience it's rubbish it is rubbish and I have a degree of sympathy for West Ham fans who have to just lump that and have had to get used to that and that's their football experience now but it isn't great is it you, you know I could even I could even tolerate being far away from the pitch really but the, it doesn't help the atmosphere the fact that the away fans are separated into two big sections the the home fans are really close to the away fans in the top section which was a bit uncomfortable for a few people at times last night there was uh, there was a, there was a few people that weren't watching the football at all and Watford fans and West Ham fans just going at each other verbally and probably would have done physically if they could have been a few more yards closer together for in the second half and the whole thing was just miserable it was just a miserable 
incredible experience. It took us hours to get out of there. And look, I don't want to sound too negative, but you know, as I said, that there are there are worse things in the world. But it, yeah, it wasn't great. It was not great at all. Yeah, it's the third time I've been. The other two times we've won, and the other two times was on a Saturday, which in fairness gives you a little bit more wiggle room to get there, a little bit wiggle room, more wiggle room in getting home. You don't feel so so rushed, and it it's a slightly better experience. And, of course, I'm looking through rose-tinted glasses because we won both those games, and as we all know as football fans, nothing beats uh, an away day when you when you win. But, yeah, as you've both said, the whole experience, getting to the ground is a, is a nonsense. You, it's a... You're led this way and that when effectively the 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 ground the stadium is what 500 yards away from the from the station, but you end up having to do a 45 minute walk. As Dave said, getting out is is a mission. But I think the biggest issue potentially of all is just the the atmosphere. And I will stick up for West Ham fans a little bit. And really, any any club that hosts Watford, it's never going to be their biggest game, and therefore the atmosphere is never going to be febrile because they're eagerly anticipating the the visit of Watford, are they? Certainly not in in the Premier League. But the whole nature of the of the stadium just does not lend itself to to a good atmosphere, and and because it is a lower tier and an upper tier for the away fans, if you haven't been there, there is a, an enormous cavernous gap between the upper tier and the lower tier. You have to walk over a sort of scaffolded walkway to get to the lower tier, and and, and you go up the stairs to the top tier. There's miles apart, so the chances of getting a, a really good atmosphere going uh, as an away follower is is next to, next to nil really so as like you say Ed, there was a good Watford following there last night as you'd expect relatively local but in terms of the overall atmosphere and the overall experience it's it's pretty grim and I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be upset if I never have to go go there again quite frankly that said I'd like to have the option <laughs> yeah but of course of the atmosphere I mean you know we can't not mention the absolute just ridiculous situation surrounding Kurt Zuma. I mean that and and that sort of, you know, kind of just changed the atmosphere in a unique way as well because for majority of the first half that's all Watford fans were really bothered about singing. Like they were booing Kurt Zuma every time he got the ball. Fine, understandably, I'm on board with that given the circumstances. Some of the chances chants were funny, some of them were a bit witless in my opinion, but whatever, that's that's football fans for you. But again, and then and then as you tweeted earlier on, Adam, such is the nature of football fandom and, and the age we're in at the moment, because Watford fans are booing him, what do West Ham fans do? Some of them, not all of them, some of them start clapping him and defending him, for Christ's sake. And again, it just distracts from the football on the pitch, which maybe wasn't the most thrilling game, had its moments, but overall, just a strange, strange evening. Yeah, it, it really was. I, I thought it was um, it was very peculiar. The whole experience, just basically West Ham fans turning up, um, and we must mention, you know, that the heartfelt reception that the family or the vi- the video of of Isla Caton's mother got on the big screen, and then the the minutes applause as well for for that youngster who sadly lost her life. That was that was heartfelt, honest, genuine, authentic. The rest of it very un- inauthentic. I found the whole experience very very odd indeed. Basically, turning up, not singing, cheer the goal, and then leave early. It's it's peculiar. It's a peculiar experience. Yeah, and I won't even get started on the Kurt Zuma situation and David Moyes. I mean, jeepers creepers. What was all that about? I mean, you either you either think that he's done something wrong and don't pick him or you don't think he's done anything wrong and pick him. And he opted for the latter. And it seems to be kicking on and on and on now. Let's not cry over spilt milk. Let's, um, uh, let's get on with talking a bit of Watford, <laughs> shall we? 
Well, yeah, well done. Yes, you're well, well done. You've you've got us back on track. <laughs> Let's deal with the the positives first of all. And I published a piece, obviously, the morning after the the night before, and there was quite a sort of a heavy concentration on trying to look ahead and and looking forward to um, welcoming back Ishmael Assar to the, to the fold. But I did also just sort of look at at what I saw and how I felt watching that Watford side, and and for the first half. And I think it was probably back to the sort of the Chelsea game, also the, the previous game against Burnley as well. I thought that they showed some some character, but I actually I, I felt a connection with that Watford team at, at West Ham. I thought they were all there, lined up, very regimented in in a four four two. It made sense. They were working for each other. They were actually showing some um, evidence of of patterns of play that they'd worked on, uh, a plan of action, but ultimately too blunt when it comes to to putting the ball in in the in the back of the net and that is an issue and then hopefully Ishmael Assar will help with that what was your your feeling on the on the performance mike did you feel that that was a next sort of step up in terms of incremental improvements under under Roy Hodgson yeah i do because i think we we all knew what we expected from Roy Hodgson and and Ray Livington we all knew what we wanted which was for us to be and we've all between us must have used this word more in the last three months than we ever have done perhaps in our lives, but organised. And that's exactly what they were. They stuck to the game plan. They made it very, very difficult for for West Ham, who were admittedly coming off a, a rough weekend themselves. And, and West Ham probably didn't cover themselves in glory. I don't think they played that well themselves. But I don't think really Watford let them. They they, they set up to make themselves difficult to beat, to be difficult to, to penetrate. And, and for large parts, they did that. And I think what we have to realise watching Watford is that it is an evolution and the the, the start of that evolution is to stop conceding and to be that tough to beat side that we simply have not been all season. We've been um, a car crash in varying degrees of seriousness throughout the season. And the first job of work is to stop us look like we're going to career off the the road as soon as we leave the drive. And we've done that. Um, But what we have to realise in doing that is that that comes at a slight cost, which is that we're not going to be as buccaneering going forward. We're going to create fewer chances due to the pragmatic approach. But to give us credit, we did carve out a chance. There's that ball to the back back stick. Uh, Uri Kutska, who I thought had a, had an OK game. He has to score. Rose, he had to score. And I thought it was, you know, we were all waiting. It's all that, you know, when you're in the away end and you sort of get that split second. You're grabbing onto each other, ready to jump up and down as you see the ball nestle. And it just dropped the wrong side of the post. And they're the moments when you're when they're going to play like we are going to play. And you, you heard a lot of sort of grumblings and rumblings at the game last night and today that we've got to let the handbrake off and go for it. That isn't going to be the way it happens. It, it, it really isn't. It's going to be a rearguard action. And if it's going to work and be successful, those chances have to drop in. And we probably had two or three serviceable half-decent opportunities. That was the pick of the bunch, but there was another one late on. The ball flashed flashed across. Uh, Joshua King carved out a good opportunity for Tom Cleverley, who lost his footing. And then Cleverley as well had that, that effort that was destined for the top right. So another day, one of those goes in. And that's a very, very different game. And so I think there was a lot of criticism last night in and, in and around the, the Watford faithful. Some criticism today. But I think, actually, when you look at the overall body of work... They made it very difficult for, for West Ham and they carved out a couple of opportunities. They didn't take them. We've come away with nothing, which is obviously an issue. But in terms of where we were a month ago, better. 
Dave, I mean, we, we haven't even spoken about the decisive moment of the game, and that was the spawniest, most undeserved goal from, from West Ham. We cannot think walk away from that game and think that Watford have been played off the park by any way, shape or form. Yes, they had a good chance in the first half with Ben Rama, and it was a good save by Foster and, and Cathcart was there. And subsequent to the goal, Foster made a great save from, from Bowen. But being in goal, playing against a side that is fourth, if you can make your saves, then great. You're part of the team. It's part of a good performance. And they were they were bloody unlucky losing that game, in my in my opinion. Yes, the chances were missed. I thought that Kutska chance that you mentioned, I thought when I first saw it, I thought exactly you what you said there, Dave. He's got to score. I agree. He should have done better. But Cresswell just did enough to get across him so he couldn't nod it with the outside right of his head into the near post and he had to go back across because there was a body moving across him so in mitigation it was a tougher chance than maybe it appeared but obviously it was a great opening and it was created very very well pressing back cleverly then released down the left hand side and it was a good break yeah fair enough I've, I've, I've only seen it live I've not seen a replay so maybe it was more difficult than I thought but again I think you know relatively free header that close out you've got to get it on target at least um, I don't think you know Mike you said people wanted us to play with the handbrake off or to go for it a bit more I don't think we didn't go for it I think that was that was the appropriate sort of approach for a game against a team who are lest we forget in the top four and one of the better teams a team that recently put us to the sword comfortably at Vicarage Road over Christmas uh, so we we were not we we didn't park the bus, you know. We weren't. It wasn't completely camped on our 18-yard line from the start, was it? In the first half, we had plenty. We we had we had plenty of opportunities where we broke quickly. We didn't have the lion's share of possession across the game. West Ham didn't really do much with their possession for most of the game. But we we looked positive in moments when we had the ball. We clearly were using the fullbacks to get forward and get to the byline and get balls in. They did that to differing degrees of success. I think you know clearly. The, the four central midfielders, the Hodgsonian approach, Adam, as you as you called it in your piece of the four four central midfielders. Well, that was from from the cliches Indeed. mentioned. <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't isn't conducive necessarily to you know a flying attacking approach. That the it is a, it is slightly square pegs in round holes at the moment. That will be changed when we get when we get Saar back, and maybe we can shuffle the shuffle the formation a, a little bit. Cleverly's not completely comfortable being in the wide positions when he finds himself there neither neither is Kushka both of them very game and give it a go and they both had their moments I just think we were just lacking that little bit of cutting edge and confidence I think if that if that goal goes in from Kushka we would have grown into the game we would have probably got more goals Josh King is he's trying really hard at the moment he's trying his best to hold the ball up and he's doing a decent job but he's holding it up quite far away from goal and there isn't often many options for him to pass the ball to and we kind of lose it Dennis I thought was decent last night looked better than he has been for a few weeks he was doing a lot but again it was like he he had to beat three players and bang it in the top corner if we were going to score and that's really difficult and I just think we, we do need something extra. We need something to fall for us. We haven't scored in a little while now. We haven't you know obviously you haven't won in ages. So we need a break. We got a game against Brighton on Saturday at home. Brighton are a good team. It won't be easy. They could easily beat us but it feels like an opportunity for us to just come on, get Saar back in the team. He's not hes not necessarily the silver bullet on his own, but 
for my money, as I said in the piece that I contributed to the other day on the site, in your absence, Adam, I think he's our best player. Not only does he give us chances of scoring goals through him himself, but he can set goals up for other people as well. I think the way that Roy was playing last night, he'll be really well suited to those little one-twos with Kiko down the right-hand side, getting to the byline himself. Hopefully he's fit and confident. He comes back in and he makes a difference. But I, I was... I was encouraged by that performance last night, but I was I was just bitterly, bitterly disappointed with the way that it ended. As you say, the ball that went through to Lanzini, a momentary lapse, and that's the tightrope that you walk. If you are playing this game where you don't, if you're if you're sort of keeping it tight and you don't take your opportunities, it only takes one mistake and you lose the points. And we were unlucky, but that is kind of how it can go wrong. Their, their goal was really, well, obviously the difference, but the nature of the goal was the difference as well. And it and it comes on to a point that you made, which I think is a, a very salient and important one, Dave. Jared Bowen just had a dig and he didn't connect with it particularly well. Um, it ended up almost trickling past Ben Foster because it took a deflection, wrong-footed him and it's in the back of the net because he had a go. And I think what Watford didn't do um, was that. They had a couple of occasions where they could have just had a swing of it and see see what happened, just get it out from under your feet, have a shot and see what happens. And I think the reason they don't do that is because they are lacking in confidence. It's a very, very easy thing to, to talk about. And it's a very easy sort of catch-all excuse for, for, for poor performances sometimes. But that is evidently the case at the moment. I think especially with the, with the forward play, I think they're almost looking to carve out that that perfect opportunity before they before they have a dig and I think that was possibly frustrating one of the more frustrating elements of it last night completely understandable we just need to somehow kick start that that those goals in the final third all, all year we've been saying you know we look okay going forward if we can solve the defense we'll be all right well we kind of feel like we've got a a, a grasp of the defense but now we're sort of creaking to a halt up, up top and just to go back just finally Dave, the point about the supporters and their and their take on it, I, I think the problem that we've got as as supporters and as a fan base and what we're going to see unfolding is that Roy's approach. I think we're all agreed, all three of us, that it was right and it, it was measured and appropriate for the for the game we were playing last night. We know what we're going to get. It almost came off. But what you will see is perhaps a casual observer or a very invested Watford fan who wants us to stay in the division. The game's ticking by, and you can mistake it for being relatively passive when that's not not actually the case and I think as you see the games tick past and the points tally not going up I do understand the frustration and the, and the concern amongst and well, that is the problem. I'm not saying that it's, it's a big it's... problem for us time's running out yeah yeah absolutely it is but there are still 16 games to go sure it's not the end of the world it's not the end of the season yet it's not the end of hope and I think you know you have to try and stay positive and you have to you have to yeah. think <laughs> that, that little that little yeah was yeah i know but it's not going to happen i Go always on. want to be positive definitely want to be positive and i've you know i've i've kind of been at odds with mike at certain times in in this season about our sort of mindsets and our outlook but i have to say i'm he's winning me over i'm 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 starting to go over to the dark side and i, I think in a way that maybe it's sort of it's kind of self preservation in some way if if you sort of just kind of accept the fact that we are probably down 
then anything that happens from here on in, any positives, any wins, any points, any is is a bonus. And I just, and I think Roy sort of knows that. If you read between the lines and some of the things he's been saying, that's kind of his mindset. And it's like, well, I'm gonna give it a bash, but come on, guys. I mean, you did only get me in it. You know, you're giving me a bit of a tall order here. So, and I'm not, I'm not saying be defeatist and and give up. I'm saying support the team, enjoy the matches, but don't completely as you say don't take it as if it's the end of the world if we lose every game because if we do get relegated which is looking likely at this stage yeah we'll go again there will be another season there'll still be a team to support I think the the reality is 16 games to go four of them are you'd probably write off straight away in reality Watford being Watford they might spring a surprise but but four away games at, at, at some of the best teams in the league so that leaves us 12 games to get seven wins and I remember, Dave, I remember walking out of Watford v Newcastle at home when we drew one all and saying on the podcast, I think we've seen two of the sides that are going to get relegated. And that was what, back at the, at the start of the season, such was the, the abject nature of the, of the performance. And I really don't think up until now that the performances have deviated much from that path. I think there's been some um, outliers, Manchester United and, and Everton, freak games in, the, in their own right. But I think... For the most part, we've looked out of our depth, quite frankly, and the games have ticked past without us being able to look like we belong in the in the Premier League. We're starting to look like we're competitive now, but it's too it's not too late, obviously. But the reality is we've now got sixteen games to effectively turn the whole juggernaut around and get it right on the on the right track. And you've got teams like Norwich and Newcastle all of a sudden winning games as well which is an issue for us we can only concentrate on do what we what we can do we can only try and win our games fine but again as i said in that piece the other day i think we might pick up some wins and get close to the to the target but i just can't help but look at newcastle hammering everton who've got their own problems 3-1 last night in front of a packed st james's who trippier looking a, you know like a real talisman for them and I just oh, just I can just see it's just it's, you can just see the way it's heading and it, it you know it, it's it's dispiriting but you know what can we do exactly and I think that you know what what has been discussed and and what has often been the fallout from every defeat and you know there have been plenty of them over the last couple of months is that it instantly goes to what are the the broader why are we in this situation again? Why have they made precisely the same mistakes as they made the hierarchy I'm talking about as they did in 2019-20? It's a mirror image of what happened. It is, it's the whole sort of insanity of doing the same thing and expecting different results. It is remarkable how these two seasons have mirrored each other. And we're in the sort of hopeful Nigel Pearson phase, but you know, there hasn't really Mars been... Mars off even the, that. Yeah, no, 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 I know, exactly. We're, we're five we points away from we, what we had this time at that stage in season. I know that's not what you're saying, but... We're behind, we're behind that in terms of genuine sort of feeling of instant bounce. We haven't had that, and it's going to almost be a slower burn with, with Roy Hodgson. But we have to stick with it. We have to hope. Um, but ultimately, what is going to happen is that there will be a you know, a final reckoning at the end of the season. And that is looking likely that it will be a relegation. And then the serious questions have to be asked over recruitment, over running the club, over making those same mistakes again. And and that is the time to, to deal with those questions. What is important now is to think 
beginning of the season, the number one target for people that have been watching Watford a long, long time and have seen the quality in the side last season in the championship, seen them as a newly promoted side, was finishing 17th. Nothing more, nothing less. And that is still possible. It is still possible. It's not a million miles away. It's going to be tough, but it is not impossible. Fingers crossed for it. We're all sort of sounding a little bit flat. A just, little bit you flat. You just said about a slow burn there Ad, with, with Nigel Pearson. Actually, Nigel Pearson's flame burned brightly but briefly really yeah to compare the two where so Pearson we had those flurry of results where we beat Manchester United Wolves Aston Villa at Christmas the amazing win against Liverpool mitigating circumstances all of a sudden a pandemic hits everything gets thrown out the window for he gets Covid players get Covid we return project restart no fans we were terrible pretty much for the whole thing rest is history that's not going to happen in the same way this time but what we might get to to try and put a positive spin under it this time is more of that slow burn approach and that perhaps by the end of this you know isn't going to be an up and then and then a return to to nothing it might build and keep going in the right direction and we might find ourselves on a roll at some point maybe I don't know if it will come but there are if you look at those home games and those home fixtures there are some that you go yeah we could win that we could win that yeah we could win that we could win that like that we could easily not win any of them but they are on paper there are points there for us to win but I wanted to ask you a question Ad and just sort of give you an opportunity to to you know speak your mind I suppose because I've been looking at you know the, some of the tweets and discussions you've been having on Twitter today sort of from a distance and being quite intrigued really you obviously in your job as the Athletics Watford reporter are a bit of a lightning rod at times there aren't there's no one else like you that does your job and there's you know the guys on the Watford Observer they're there to a lesser extent they're not quite in the same level of depth because of the nature of their business as you are so how does it feel for you when you kind of have a lot of incoming and people sort of I suppose in a way you end up taking the brunt of people's frustrations rightly or wrongly in situations like this and it must be difficult sometimes to to deal with that and to sort of have those constructive discussions when they can get quite heated yeah I th- look, I mean it, it, that's the nature of social media and 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 social media isn't all of Watford fans and I think that that's the thing that you always keep with you but also I think it is important to to listen, to dig into some of the questions and to also come back when people ask you questions and ask them questions as well. I was accused today of being um, condescending to one fan who I went on and had a really good um, exchange with and it wasn't from him himself. I was being condescending because I wanted to clarify with him you know, he want, he said, you know, Scott Duxbury has to go. So I said, okay, fine. I, I'm intrigued by this. If, if he has to go, who comes in? Presumably, if he goes, Gino should go as well and Cristiano Giretta. And then if you're going to do that, what should be the overall strategy? Because these are all the things that need to be sort of discussed at the same time. As if you're saying, you know, for, for example, if people said, you need to go, Adam, go. All right, fine. Who, who are you going to bring in? Mike. Who, who do you... Mike, Mike, can do it. Mike, Dave. There's so many people that could do my job. It's unbelievable. But you know, you, you think maybe I'm not a good example. Let's leave me out of it. But you know, sometimes you have to have. If you, if you're, if you're, if you say right, this plan isn't working, you have to sort of have another plan or, or at least an idea. Or and maybe this is maybe this is uh, you know a, a valid way of thinking that you just think right. Well, we need to literally, you know, that car is not working. The engine is spluttering. We need to take the engine out, get rid of it, and, I don't know, 
push it along the road, do something completely different. So, you know, I understand that people have different ways of looking at it. And, and, and the thing that does irritate me, and I, and I went back on one guy today, who, was, who just called me a knobhead. And I was just like, mate, if you're going to come with if you're going to come with feedback and you're going to come with criticism, I I will have I will have an exchange with you on social media, in person at the ground. I will talk to people. I will talk to Watford fans. I am a Watford fan. It kills me when we lose. I'm sat in the press box, throwing my arms up, swearing. You know, when I was sat next to Roshane Thomas, who's our West Ham reporter, I was like, that's such a spawny goal. I cannot believe you've won. It's just ridiculous. You don't deserve it. I can't believe you're fourth. I thought I had to look at the table again and go, I cannot believe that West Ham were fourth. We were playing against a side that looked like a mid-table side and we looked like a mid-table side. You know, it hurts me when Watford lose, but I also have to do my job, have to hold the club to account at the same time. And I do that by profiling mm. some of the weird things that happen at the football club. But don't come at me and just call me a knobhead just for the sake of calling me a knobhead. It's just, it's just, it's just silly, really. Well, to be fair, I have done that before and it's quite, uh, quite, it's quite <laughs> cathartic to do that. So, uh... <laughs> but you can't, like, you have got to pick your moments, right? Adi, if you were just every week, you were just completely slating the club every week, week after week after week, like, you know, that you, you can't, you've kind of got to, there's, there's a bit of art and nuance to the job of holding someone to account. It can't just be a relentless barrage of criticism because then, you know, then it sort of loses its impact when it does come. Well, yeah, but I think it, it doesn't need, you know, it, it doesn't need me to say there has been failings with with what uh, Cristiano Giretta has done, what Scott Duxbury have done, uh, has done, what Gino Pozzo has done, what Filippo Giraldi did previously. We know that. If it was all going hunky-dory, we wouldn't be in the relegation zone. If everything was perfect, the fact that we are in a situation where we've had another season with three managers, it's embarrassing. It's ridiculous. But hook or by crook, we might get out of it. And and to be honest, ever since Javi Gracia went, it's been short-termism. It's been reactionary. The pendulum has swung one way and then it's swung the next. And it's been a cascade of you know faint hope and then mistakes cascade and of that, something else as well <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and we've been pushing up in the other direction against it and that's that you know it's not been a it's not been a pleasant experience and look and i've said this right from the beginning of this season and i mean you know last season was pretty miserable even though we went up and the season before that was miserable as well when we went down so look overall it's not been a particularly enjoyable experience but at the end of this season, it almost feels like, okay, if, if Watford go down again, then there has to be some sort of, of reset, some sort of acknowledgement that there has been a loss of, of control of a real cohesive strategy. And there has to be sort of some sort of change. There has to be some sort of reaction from the club. And to be honest, the main thing from my point of view and this is a huge frustration, I'm sure it is for all journalists that cover Watford, is Gino Pozzo needs to talk. He's an eloquent man. He's an intelligent man. He cares about the club. He runs the club. It's costing him money. Just talk about it. Just talk. It's not hard. Don't think that you're above it. Just talk. Speak to us. Let us know what you're feeling. And that is that is the big, you know, people always say, oh, why don't, you get, why don't you ask him that question? Why don't you ask him that question? We never hear from him. We never hear from him. Believe me, I've tried, but we can't. We don't hear from, we don't hear from the owner of the football club. And that is really, really annoying. 
I, I feel strongly on this one, actually. I, I think that and I understand why and I understand the, the premise. And I, the, certainly from your point of view as a, as a journalist, Dad, but I can almost imagine now what the answers that Gino Pozzo would give. My long term vision is to make Watford a, a, a sustainable uh, team that, can, that competes not, in the Premier but isn't League. That, but yes, does, that, does that not miss the point slightly, Mike? I, you're right. He probably, it's his prerogative to say what he likes. The point is. I want him to submit himself to questioning. If exactly, he, want, if he chooses to answer it the way he answers, then we can take our own reading from that. But I want him to be open enough to face questions, be it from Adam or from somebody from a national newspaper or something, or fans. How many owners do, though, do, do regular... And this, is just my, this is just my take, and it's, yeah, it's sure. not a, obviously an exact, exact science. But I'm, I think if, I, if there was a piece of, uh, with an interview with Gino... I don't think that would get my juices flowing. I don't think I'd sit down and read it or watch it on, on Sky Sports News or, or wherever, thinking, right, I'm going to learn something here. And, you know, I'm going to learn what the strategy of the club is. And therefore, I'm going to, I'm going to bounce to Vicarage Road on Saturday. Really? We've only ever heard him. Sp- we've only ever heard him. I think we've only ever heard him speak once. And you wouldn't be interested to hear what he said. Well, I've got. I'd be. I'd be interested. Yes. That, don't get me wrong. Of course, I'd be interested. You know, I. If there's anything, I'll. I'll read the Watford Mail Order catalogue from 1988 <laughs> if it's if it's left lying around. So, of course, I'd be interested. But I. I just think, like any any owner, they were going to be saying, "I've got the best interests at the club at heart." I'm I'm doing everything I can all all morning, noon, and night to to get the right players in, to get the right mix of backroom staff in, to make sure we've got the right blend that we can deliver a football club that is sustainable and successful for the people of Watford for as long as possible. That's what that's what he's going. That's what he he'll say. What I'm more interested in is 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 action, and I think that's where the real frustration from su- supporters comes from because we've said it, we've 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 laid it out bare. Between us on this podcast, we've made exactly the same mistakes in terms of head coach hires, which is unforgivable is strong, but it, to, to do it in almost exactly the same way is it's it's incredible. I'm incredulous at, at it that it's that it's happened this way again and that we've basically stumbled upon Roy Hodgson far too late for him really to do anything about it. And and not just that. And and Adam, you have said throughout the, the the season that the time to judge the playing staff is at the end of the season. And I do agree with that because the ultimate goal is we will either stay up, in which case it's a tick, or we'll go down, in which case it's a cross. But the evidence of our eyes, those of us that have been at, at most of the games this season, is that this team, whichever eleven we've been able to put out, have been out of their depth. So. They have basically got the the head coach situation wrong at the start by sticking with Cisco. They got his replacement wrong, um, and now we're on our third head coach. And they also haven't been able to deliver the the players to make them competitive long enough throughout the the season either. We've seen straight away with you know we'll we'll hopefully have a have a quick chat about some of the highlights of the game, which one of which was Kamara, for example, at left back, proper player at left back all of a sudden, and everything looks better. Samir up with, with Craig Cathcart next to him. All of a sudden, Craig Cathcart looks like the international he is. So, but it's taken too long for these players to come in, and that, so for for fans who have had a really really tough time of it, missing out on football, um, away from football as well. The world is is bleak. You see the football club you absolutely love with your all your being, um, sort of ripping up the golden ticket that was getting back into the Premier League through what a lot of people see as avoidable mistakes 
So that that I think is 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 the thing that as a supporter I would like to see. I don't need Gino to tell me that he wants what's best for Watford. I, that, that's just what he's going to say. What I want him to do is to deliver what's best for Watford and not to not to continually make these mistakes that effectively make Watford a bit of a they're not an embarrassment they're not a basket case we're doing really really well my brother was talking through the he'd, he'd had a look at the list of the in the Premier League years the the teams who have spent time in the league and there's some that you think might have been there for a long time actually weren't and you know Reading Swansea uh, teams like that who you thought had a sort of regular fairly successful sojourn into the Premier League we've been in there miles longer than than a lot of these clubs who 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 sort of people might think had a decent stint so we're doing really really well on one foot, on one side of things but but also we're it feels like we're blowing it and that I think is where this almost guttural frustration comes from amongst supporters and it manifests itself in in very very different ways I'm sort of quite sanguine I've watched us all season and I think we've been dreadful and I, I, I think we I thought we were going down a long time ago I desperately hope we don't others just get angry and I, and I get it because but they spend a, you spend a fortune traipsing around the country taking time off work and you see a team that is is demonstrably not fit for purpose led by a, the, the the incorrect head coach obviously it's all and it obviously it's that's that's a uh, the fans' prerogative. You pay your money and take your choice. You're not entitled to see your team win, but I, I, I think the frustration is very, uh, it's very visceral at the moment. It's very raw for a whole host of reasons, and that's why we desperately need a win. You know, how at what difference, even for 24 hours, would a win on Saturday make to everyone's mood right now? <laughs> it would be huge, oh, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not happened since November, and let's let's hope. Let's hope. That it that it does that it does happen. It, you're right. It does make it, it's it is soul destroying. It's soul destroying seeing them lose, um, and that's never changed ever since we were all born and we started supporting Watford. Every time they lose, it feels rubbish. When they win, you feel great, and that's the life of being a, a football fan. Let's talk about something else. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. So one glimmer, glimmer of hope, shining light, opportunity for a spark, a catalyst, is the arrival of Ishmael Assar, successful Ishmael Assar, full of confidence, not burdened by any doubt, a champion, a champion of the AFCON and someone who will be able to carry the weight of expectation of all the Watford fans on his shoulders and lead us to safety. I cannot wait. (laughs) 
I cannot <laughs> wait for him to be brought back down to earth with Lewis Dunk going through the back of him after two minutes and Kevin Friend just going, play on, play on. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, Isma. I jest, obviously, that, you know, that he is, he, it is all about him. But hopefully he can be the catalyst um, to just just take a little bit of the pressure off two players in, in, in Emmanuel Dennis and Joshua King at the moment who just aren't quite in the, the swing of things. And maybe the, the players in the squad can look at him, look at Ishmael Assar, who, who managed to get himself back on track, having looked as if he'd slipped even further into a poor run of form in that Manchester United game, missed those two penalties, but then scored a great goal, made that great celebration and connection with the fans. And then Donny van der Beek pitches up and I don't think he even got booked or it wasn't even a foul that, that then cropped Ishmael Assar. And that really hit us for the, you know, the, the final phase of the, of the year. But hopefully, you know, he's now got back playing. He's played, I think, you know, 120 odd minutes or whatever in those three games at the end of the AFCON, played in there full of confidence and this is ultimately going to be the last couple of months of his Watford career. I'm sure he will leave in the summer. And hopefully he can contribute to to at least some some nights like we saw against Liverpool. Just one or two. Even if we do go down, at least let's go down swinging. And um, hopefully he can be at the centre of it. Do you, do, you, do you feel that he could be, Dave, from your point of view, he could be that spark, that catalyst? 100%. 100%. I think, you know, I've always been... Um, you know, fairly vocal in my support for him, even when there've been sort of a few eyebrows raised that his sometimes sort of drops in form. I think he's a brilliant player. Sometimes his body language can deceive people, and they can sort of go, "Oh, he didn't look up for it today." I think he's just a bit of a shy sort of, you know, he's not a particularly animated bloke. But I think he's a brilliant player. I think he will surely come back from that victory and some of the scenes we've seen in Dakar and Senegal look like amazing you know how can you you know providing he hasn't you know been celebrating too hard it's very reminiscent of the pond I thought those oh, scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. More of a lake than a pond. You know, he surely he's going to come back. You know, with a spring in his step, he'll get a welcome back from all of his teammates. He's got a new uh, manager and coaches to to impress. And Roy has been watching him. Roy's spoken about him in glowing terms in the press conferences over the last few weeks. He's got talent. He's got the ability to win games, to 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 get us points from defeats. And he will also do something which I think is really important, is he will concern the opposition. They will have to have a plan to deal with him because they will know how quick he is and how ruthless he can be if he gets in the right positions. And that will... Hopefully, as you said, Adam, ease the burden on Josh King, on Dennis. It will require, I think, perhaps a change of shape. I would suggest, hopefully, Roy will agree that you would go back to a more conventional 4-3-3. Pick your three from the midfield. There's options there. Dennis or King can play on the left, whichever one you want. The other one goes in the middle. Saar up top on the right with Kiko behind him. Those two dovetailing. That's our best route to success right now, I think. I, th- I think the fact that you mentioned there, um, Dave, that it gives the opposition something to worry about is almost like a race in the hole, isn't it? Because we've talked about how Roy Hodgson plays and how we're going to set up and we're going to be slightly pragmatic. Well, to have Ismail Assar on the on the pitch, they can't press up too far because all it needs is a ball over the top and he's away. There's not a defender in the Premier League that can keep up with him pace-wise. So it just gives us that little bit of je ne sais quoi, that little bit of something for them to worry about without him actually having to do much. 
they've got to commit to, to shackling him, otherwise he'll, he'll he'll destroy him. So I think that is a is a valuable valuable outlet. And Cucurella for Brighton likes to get forward. So on their left, their left back Cucurella, he got, he you know, and Brighton like yeah. to play with their fullbacks going going high. They they're expansive. So that gives Graham Potter something to think about. Another bigger point around surrounding Ismail Assar, and as you, you say, Ad, uh, it's, I think it's unquestionable that he'll leave Vicarage Road in the summer, regardless of, of how this season finishes for, for Watford. But this is a big couple of months for him now, determining where he will actually end up. He's managed to get himself back in the limelight via, the, via AFCON and, and being a, a winner there. And his name's been back in the headlines. But he's still not going to be top of, I don't know, Manchester City's shopping list at the moment. And if he really wants to break through into a, into a, into a Champions League side, whether it's in this country or, or somewhere else in Europe, he's really going to have to catch the eye for these last couple of months. And, and what better way to do it than to, than to arrive back at Watford and to, to make a real big impact on the, in the Premier League and at, at least get Watford close. And the other thing is, I think it would be, ner- the, you know, Gino will be, will be nervous about this because he needs Ismail Assar to perform well for us to at least get our money back on him. So there is there is a lot of pressure on him, but I think as Dave said there he'll come back from that from, from that experience refreshed, happy, confident and ready to ready to rock for these for these two months and and I think a fit happy positive motivated Ismail Assar is an extraordinary weapon to have at our disposal and if we are going to make a decent fist of staying up he's going to have a, a huge part to play in it the other bits are dropping into place I mentioned Kamara earlier brilliant I thought he was at, at West Ham a real fans favourite finally giving us something to to hang our hats on in terms of uh, performance and someone we can c- connect to and uh, you know Samir we mentioned and um, Dennis looked back to his best uh, against uh, against West Ham KMB was good. Joshua Kmbe's good, you know, un- unsung hero if you like. Joshua King works so hard down the middle there, so hard, doesn't get the plaudits, but he wins that first ball and at least gives us a chance. So there is stuff happening in this side. Ben Foster made an amazing save last night to to deny Bone tipping it onto the post, super super save. So there is stuff happening in this side. And we just need that catalyst. And there is a very, very real chance. Well, it's our only chance, let's be honest, is that it's going to be Ismail Assar to, to light the blue touch paper. In terms of the... It's interesting you mentioned about the sort of the change of shape there, Dave. I put out a tweet just as before we were um, about to record. I thought I'd chance my arm going on Twitter again just before we started to record and see who was going to call me what. But no, it's all been very polite. Um, in, in terms of the, the formations and things like that, a few people have asked. Lewis Woods asked, or Louis Woods. Um, Wendover Horn as well asked. And I was just trying to, you know, as, as you were talking there, I, I was listening, but I was just jotting down my um, my lineup. If they were to, if Roy was to change to a 4-2-3-1, let's say, and you know, I think that the back four is funny, isn't it? How how times have changed. The back four picks itself at the moment. You know, they're, mm. they're undro- undroppable. Um, you know, we've got Kamara, Cathcart, Samir, uh, and Kiko. Ben Foster in goal. I'd like to see Imran Loser back in that side. Yeah. Obviously, I've been championing him all season, and he has improved. But I'd almost like to see either you can't drop Musa Sissoko because he's the captain. So you play Edo Kayembe. And Imran loser, yep, alongside each other. You then play probably Musa Sissoko ahead of them mm-hmm. in that three. You then play Joshua King on the on the left, 
Ishmael Assar on the right and Emmanuel Dennis, and they can look, they can rotate all over the shot. But then you've got three other players who could quite easily be in that setup in Uri Kutska, Joao Pedro, and Tom Cleverley. So you've actually got a decent side there in terms of balance, and and I don't necessarily think. I mean, look, that can very easily shift back out of possession into effectively a four. Four five one, which it, which it is with you know King and Ishmael Asar working back and giving protection for Femenia and Kamara. So it will be interesting to see what what um, Roy Hodgson does against um, against Brighton. There was a little bit of a moment in the um, in the news conference as we were sat at the London Stadium, and he said, "You know, I'm not quite sure where we're going to use him. We're not quite sure." Da 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 da. I thought I had flashbacks to <laughs> Claudio Ranieri's first game, and oh. you know moments when um, when uh, Kike put you know played. I don't know, he played Sar in goal and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, mate, just, just stick him on the right-hand side Dimitri and just give him... Fulquier. Yeah, just let him go. Just let him go and, and, and enjoy himself. So hopefully um, that will happen. Now, I, I wanted, just before we end, just to, just to rattle through two things, right? In terms of recruitment, I, I'm not going to do the whole squad, but I just wanted to run down the list of players that Watford had in their squad for the game against West Ham. And I want you to basically say of, of the of the signings that you would either make again or never go near if you had your time again in terms of, of signing them, okay? Right. So we'll 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 flip them and rotate them. Okay. And maybe you can give it you can give a jury's out if you're not still not quite sure if you if you want to sit on the fence. So okay, so we'll start in goal and I mean obviously he's been been at the club in two spells, but we'll start with with Ben Foster. Is is he a is he one that you would you would sign again? Yes. Mike, Joshua King. Yes, I think so. Dave, Tom Cleverley. Yes. Mike, Hassan Kamara. Oh, without a doubt. I'd sign him twice. Dave, Craig Cathcart. Yes, yep, yep. Mike, <laughs> Musa Sissoko. I feel like I ought to say something other than uh, other than yes, but the reality is that, you know, regardless of whether he's hitting the heights, I think it was a it, it felt like a canny and sensible signing. So yes. Dave, Kiko Feminia? Yeah, on balance, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Samir, I'd have got rid of Kiko before now, though. Samir, from what I've seen so far, yeah. Dave Emmanuel Dennis, yep. Can't argue with him, can you? Mike Euro Kutska, jury's out for me. I think slash no. I think the the games have been too up and down for him. I understand it, but for me, I don't think he's he's bearing in mind what else we've got in there. I don't think he's quite hit the levels that we've we've needed for me. He's a goner for me. Okay, fine. So, so that's that's one one out. Um, Dave Edo Kayembe looks looks very promising so far. Tidy, energetic, enthusiastic. Yep. Let's rattle through the substitutes. Mike Backman. Mm, no. Dave Jeremy and Gakia. Uh, I mean, jury, I'm going to have to jury, push you. Jury's out. Probably. I don't want to be unkind. He's not done any, not that much wrong, but he's not set the world alight. I could. I could. I'll t- come on, your knobhead. What are you going to do? Yes or no? No. No, okay. Sorry, <laughs> no. Jeremy. You're out. Uh, Mike Imran Loser. Yes. Dave Joao Pedro. Yes. All day. Mike Adam Messina. Very up and down as well. I mean, for a Premier League for a Premier League left back, he, he's probably... He would, I wouldn't want him to be my starting left back. Okay. Yeah. And that's the context of all of this. I think that's important to, to highlight. Dave Semmer. Oh, Ken... Uh, <laughs> not in the Premier League. I'm afraid, yeah, League. I'm afraid. I love you, Ken, but no. Yeah, not in the Premier League. Uh, Mike 
Christian Cabasele again not not a Premier League centre back for me too many too many mistakes in him I'm not going to ask you Samuel Kalou because we haven't seen him play yet and finally um, Dave Kucha Hernandez yeah my mum my mum's a big fan of Kucha so I've got to say yes perfect okay so that's interesting in terms of the the the, the context of of the squad that's not to say that players those players are, are good enough ultimately because we can see where Watford are mm. in the table um, to keep you in the Premier League but it's interesting from, from from you know hearing your responses that there are a lot of players in that squad that you see and you go yeah there's a player there I quite like them but unfortunately at the moment we haven't been able to knit together a team and that hopefully is something that maybe Roy Hodgson can mm. can do I wanted to finally rattle through and we'll do the same thing in terms of the the wins that Watford are going to get to keep them up we'll go through the home games okay. Dave and Mike here we go I like being quiz master it's easy I, I don't have to actually have an opinion <laughs> um right Dave Brighton at home win lose or draw win Mike Crystal Palace at home draw Dave Arsenal be realistic Dave come on mate <laughs> uh, yeah I think we'll lose I think they'll beat us Everton at home Mike I'll go for an optimistic point. Leeds at home, Dave. Win, we'll beat them. Brentford at home, Mike. You have to believe that we can win that one. Burnley at home, Dave. We've got to beat them. We've got to beat them. But we, won't. Are... but we won't. But we won't. But we won't. <laughs> what, it'll be a <laughs> draw, it'll be, it'll, it'll be a draw, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, fine. Mike Leicester. Leicester at home, L for Leicester, L for loss. The away games, and then I'll tot up what we actually think okay. we're going to get in terms yep. of, a, of a... So away, Villa, Dave. Draw. Manchester United, Mike. Defeat. Southampton, Dave. Uh, Southampton are so annoying, aren't they? You always think you can beat them, but they'll probably just beat us 2 0. Liverpool, Mike. Oh, we'll win that one 3 0. No, defeat. Crushing defeat. Manchester City, Dave. <laughs> We've got to do it at some point, haven't we? Win. <laughs> no, no. That's going to no. skew the, That's going to skew our actual realistic. L- we're doing really? it properly. Defeat. Roy Hodgson's got a good record against them. No, I'm going to go for it. Can you, can you cut him up, they were Palace were a bogey team for for Pep under under Roy. You know he's okay, got the, he's got the secret all right, sauce. All right, fine, fine. We know that these 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 statistics are, are wrong in the end, but that's fine. Win, uh, Mike Crystal Palace. Well, just to even it out, lose, lose. Chelsea, Dave. And that's completely right, Mike. As well, we would beat City, and then we would, you know, it's like Liverpool again. <laughs> yeah. We go and lose to Palace. Sorry, so Chelsea, you say? Yeah, away. Chelsea away, last day of the season, battling point that still sees us go down. <laughs> Brilliant. And then we've got Wolves still to be arranged, haven't we? So, uh, oh, yeah. what's that one? Away, Mike. Wolves, Wolves away. We're not going. We're not going to win there. That's too much like hard work that one. So that's a loss. Okay. So let me top these up. Yep. Been a bit generous there, but hey. So that's three. Hey ho. Four, five. 8, 11, 12 at home, and away, 1, 4, 5. That's 17 points. That leaves us with 32 points. Right, so final answer. Dave, we're going up or going down? Can't see us staying up on 32 points. Mike? I am hoping against hope that, that, that something can happen. There are little green shoots, but I've, if I'm putting my hand on my heart, I think we're going down. Brilliant. Thanks very much for joining us on Formula Korea this week. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Look, I think, you know, it's it's good to do that, isn't it? It's good to do that, to actually go through it and go, right, we, this is what we're expecting. Let's see if we can exceed expectations. But also, 
you said this earlier on, Dave, and I think Mike, you've obviously alluded to it because you were feeling it after the Newcastle game. It's nice to prepare yourself for these sort of things, to just sort of get your head around it, you know, and just sort of get the feelings. But then also things can change. And uh, hopefully at the end of the season, we can replay this conversation. It will give us some content that's slightly different, I suppose, if it's just another miserable podcast complaining about another defeat. Um, But, you know, we could replay it and actually see whether we are right or we are wrong. We think that Watford are going to get 32 points and we think that Watford are going to go down according to that tally. That scientific uh, experiment we just carried out. Absolutely. And and to be honest, it should only be 29 because we've got a win at Manchester (laughs) City in there. Go on, Mike, final word to you. Just in terms of preparing ourselves and sort of all being in it together, as we said, we were at West Ham last night and I just wanted to say a massive thank you to the loads of people really that came up to... Uh, and any number of us last night to just to say hello and introduce themselves and either to say they're listening to the listen to the podcast or just to talk about Watford. It's genuinely hugely, hugely rewarding to know that people listen. But more importantly than that, it reminds you that we are all in this together. This supporting Watford is one big old shared experience, whether it's battling the, the traffic and one-way system of Westfield Shopping Centre to get to West Ham, whether it's seeing us win at Goodison or whether it's seeing us getting humped at the Etihad, whether it's promotional relegation, we're all in it together. And, and, and that's really is what it's, what it's about. Just getting on with it, wringing everything you can from this experience, getting behind the lads, obviously criticising them when it's, when it's due, getting it all off your chest, but but ultimately we're all in it together. We all hope it ends the ends the same way. So um, yeah, let's stand shoulder to shoulder and try and enjoy it for the next couple of months. Dave, do you concur? Yeah, of course. How can I not? <laughs> Dave, D- Dave has done an absolutely brilliant, brilliant sort of um, array of unconvincing yeses on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The the, the more un- the, the higher he goes, the more unconvincing. <laughs> those yeses are but look boys it's been good to sort of talk it out i think we're we're in a we're in a good place having a, just had a good chin wag and i hope that we've dealt with some of the issues that um people pinged at me on on social media uh, today thank you as ever for um uh, being part of it and uh, if you want to read some of the work that i do on the athletic um i haven't mentioned that yet uh, head on to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end and you can take advantage of the latest offer we will be back after the brighton victory and uh, fingers crossed, uh, everyone, <laughs> everyone will uh, enjoy enjoy their day. Take care and look after yourselves. Cheers. The Athletic. <laughs>